You are listening to the Reality Steve podcast with your host, Reality Steve. He's got all the latest info and behind the scenes juice on Charity's upcoming season of The Bachelorette and interviewing some of your favorite reality stars. Now, here's Reality Steve. What's up? What's up? What's up? Welcome to podcast number 339. I am your host, Reality Steve. Thank you all for tuning in. Got a good show for you today. We're going to talk to Kristen Baldwin, television critic at EW.com, a multiple-time guest on this podcast. You know I love talking to Kristen about all things television, and we actually had a surprise right off the bat on this podcast, and we'll get to all that momentarily. So yeah, when we started this podcast, I recorded this Tuesday with Kristen, literally minutes before we started recording, she had just posted the story on EW.com that the Golden Bachelor was happening. And after three years of rumors of will it happen, will it not happen, if it does happen, where is it going to air, when is it going to air, we got all those answers on Tuesday. At first, from Kristen, as we know, the Golden Bachelor is going to air on Monday nights. We don't know any start date yet for it, but it's going to air the same night as Dancing with the Stars. And if you look at the schedule, I've been over this numerous times this week. There is an ABC NFL game on September 18th and September 25th. So there's no way Dancing with the Stars, I don't think, is starting before that and then going to take two weeks off because they have to make way for football. It looks like the first Dance with the Stars episode is going to be that Monday right after September 25th, which would be what, October 1st or October 2nd? Hasn't been announced yet, but my guess is October 2nd will be your first episode of Dance with the Stars, followed by a one-hour Golden Bachelor. I know it's filming in July for three weeks. I don't expect this to be more than six episodes or so, but I do give my thoughts on it on today's Daily Roundup, which should be in your podcast feed already. But yeah. Um, Golden Bachelor coming back Mondays, probably starting October 2nd, right on after Dancing with the Stars, which is back on ABC this year, something we talk about in the podcast uh, with Kristen. We also spend a little bit of time on the writer's strike, get you updated on that, what it actually means, what they're fighting for, for people that are confused, like, oh, it's just people wanting more money. I think it goes a little bit, in fact, I know, it's a little bit more than that. So don't just dismiss, oh, people just want more money and it's just greed and all that. No, the writers are getting screwed. And just when this happened back in 07 or 08, same exact thing here. It's just times have changed. And when we used to watch TV, either growing up or even in the early 2000s, when a television show was on network television, a full season of shows was usually 22, 24 episodes. Now you've got all these streaming services that put out great television content, but they're eight-episode seasons, ten-episode seasons, and these writers, while writing great material for these shows, are only working on an eight- to ten-episode show. And so what happens? There's basically, they're fighting for more um, job stability because once that show is over, we don't know if it's getting picked up. We don't know when another season is starting. And the other big thing that we talk about, you probably heard it in the promo tease in the Twitter on my tweet and in the Instagram story is a big deal is the fact that streaming services do not release their download numbers. So how is somebody who writes for a show supposed to know what they should be paid if the show that they write for gets 500,000 downloads, a million downloads, 5 million downloads, 10 million downloads, if the streaming services don't tell those writers of that show what, how many people are watching it, then they're screwed in terms of what they can negotiate for. It just doesn't make any sense. Like, it seems simple, but... The network and the streaming services are not going to give up those numbers so easily. And that's where the contention lies right now is streaming is a big part of this, because if a writer doesn't know the show that they're writing for, how well it's doing. The streaming services can just lay down the law of we're paying you this much. Well, really? 
well, not only what if this show wins awards and what if this show is the most downloaded show on Netflix or on Hulu or on Amazon Prime, don't you think we should be paid a little bit more than just some random number you decide to come up with because you're keeping your numbers from us? Like it, I'm on the writer's side on this. I, I, I think a lot of people should be. Also, uh, like I said, the Daily Roundup is up today. And you might want to check that out if you're a Vanderpump Rules fan, if you want to hear my opinions on it. And the only reason I say that is because I'm not claiming to be any sort of Vanderpump Rules expert. In fact, I'm the complete opposite. Last night was the first episode I've ever watched of Vanderpump Rules. But I think that was the case for a lot of people across this world. Because just in my Instagram follows, I know two people. Jill Chin from The Bachelor and Morgan Willette from Big Brother and... You know her. She was on the podcast recently. Both of them on their Instagram stories last night commented on the fact that they were going to watch the Vanderpump Rules finale having never watched an episode before. So that's three of us <laughs> that you can add to people that had never watched the show before that decided to tune in last night. And I've certainly got some thoughts. Um, probably going to have some thoughts tomorrow, too, on the Daily Roundup. But, yeah, that's my first experience with it. I did read a Variety article yesterday that kind of set the scene going into last night of, hey, here's what's happened, because I was really interested in how you've always known through me and about me that I've always been kind of interested in how the sausage is made, the behind-the-scenes stuff I'm interested in. And I was really curious because I didn't know the timeline of all this. All I saw was a couple months ago we started seeing this everywhere, that this Sandoval guy cheated on his girlfriend of nine years with her best friend. But I was like, okay, but right now Vanderpump Rules is airing, isn't it? Isn't it? So was it caught? How did it happen? And basically a Variety article broke it all down for me. I was like, okay, this is exactly what I needed to hear. On March 1st, Ariana was at a performance by Tom and his band. His phone ended up in her lap. She had women's intuition to check it, and she saw a conversation between him and Raquel on FaceTime that she was obviously appalled by, called around and realized there was cheating happening and an affair had been going on for the last eight months. Vanderpump Rules was not recording at the time. They were not filming. They were on hiatus. They were in between seasons. But when she notified the the next day, I believe she notified production that this had happened, and immediately on March 3rd, which is everything we saw basically last night from March 3rd and on, is when filming got going again because they had to bring everybody back and said, we got to get this. And then that was basically like last week's episode was supposed to be the Vanderpump Rules finale. And then they added this bonus finale last night. So I thought that was interesting how it all came together. And now we've got three weeks of reunion episodes, uh, the 24th, the 31st, and the 7th of June. So that's going to be the next three weeks. And I'm sure, and I, well, I'm not even sure. I am going to tune into those, and I'm sure I'll have thoughts on those reunion shows. But I give my thoughts on the whole situation from the little that I know and just watching last night's episode, watching people's reactions, the conversations that were had, the things that were said. Um, I don't need to have watched 10 seasons to know that Tom Sandoval is an absolute jackass. So um, you'll have more of my thoughts on that on today's Daily Roundup. As you know, this podcast is brought to you by Trivia Star. If I were to ask you to name a song by Dolly Parton or Queen, could you answer it in under 15 seconds? If that answer is yes, then you need to play Trivia Star. It's a free mobile trivia game with over 60 different categories that you get to choose from, including music, TV, animals, and celebrities, also sports and entertainment. If you choose the correct answer from multiple choices and beat the clock, you move on to the next level. It sounds really easy, but obviously the questions get harder over time. And if you get stuck, you can use coins and gems to get hints and beat that level. If you love trivia like I do, You'll love Trivia Star. Right now, Trivia Star is offering you 2,500 coins and 500 gems when you download and play. And this is something that I do, along with some other games on my phone, just to kill the time. It's so fun to play. And yeah, every once in a while, I like to pat myself on the back for knowing things about trivia, whether it's in entertainment or TV or celebrities. It's fun. You know, you like to, you like to tell yourself, hey, I was right. I did know that. All this useless knowledge from watching TV shows and 
following along in pop culture, that's how I get some of these answers right. So check it out. Trivia Star's got thousands of five-star reviews in the Apple Store as the number one trivia game on the App Store. Download it today to challenge yourself. Go to the Apple Store or Google Store and search for Trivia Star. Download Trivia Star for free today and get ready to flex your brain muscles. Also, podcast is sponsored by Coming Out for Love, the first U.S. lesbian dating competition show in the U.S., now airing on comingoutforlove.com. Follow our first bachelorette, internet sensation Amber Whittington, as she dates a diverse group of 16 women all vying for her heart. This show comes out every Friday. A new episode is dropped every Friday for 16 weeks. Tomorrow is episode number three. So go to comingoutforlove.com, click the watch button in the top right-hand corner, purchase whatever bundle you'd like, use promo code REALITYSTEVE for 15% off your order, and you're all set for the 16-episode season pass. All right, let's get going. Podcast number 339. All right, let's bring her in. Uh, She is the TV critic for... EW.com, multi-time guest on this show joining us again. It is Kristen Baldwin. Kristen, how are you? I'm excellent. How are you? The timing of this podcast couldn't have (laughs) happened at a better time, literally as we sit down to record this at 2 p.m. Eastern time on Tuesday, May 16th, minutes before we start recording, you tweet out, The Golden Bachelor is finally happening. It's going to air after Dancing with the Stars on Monday nights, sometime in the fall. Yeah. I cannot believe this. I, I cannot so believe excited. this is airing and it's airing on ABC. I don't, I, I, I thought that this, I definitely thought it would happen. I mean, it got shut down because of COVID and then it just, whatever, stalled. But I thought it would just go straight to a streaming service because I was like, where are they going to air this? There's no time in the schedule. But, we now know, and this is definitely something that cleared things up, your your article on this, or EW's article on this, because I don't think you wrote that. Did you? Or did you? Do oh, I, oh, I did. Oh, you did. Okay, I didn't even look at the author, <laughs> but I assumed you did. Okay, um, was the fact that I was questioning last week, is Paradise going to be a Monday-Tuesday show? Is it going to be just mm-hmm. a Monday show? Is it going to be just a Tuesday show? So it is confirmed now that Golden ba- the Dancing with the Stars will be a Monday night show, Golden mm-hmm. Bachelor will air after it, and yeah, then Paradise ten. is only airing on Tuesday nights. Thank God. Yeah, which is a freaking blessing for those of us who recap. But uh, <laughs> yes, so it, Paradise will be Tuesdays at nine for two hours, so it will be a two-hour show. Um, but uh, Golden Bachelor looks to be an hour ten to eleven on Mondays after episodes of Dancing with the Stars, which as uh, was announced fairly recently is back on uh, ABC. Okay, so a lot to go over there, but I first I first <laughs> want to go over I first want to go over what's going on in Hollywood right now, which is yeah the writer strike. And in layman's terms, can you explain this? I mean, obviously, there's a lot of issues that are being um, argued and counter argued between the writers and the studios and all this. Why, like, if you could. Yeah. Basically explain it to people, why are the writers striking and what are they striking over? They're striking in a short, sort of the main issue is essentially streaming. And it's not because uh, it's how streaming has changed the industry in that, you know, back when they, even back when they uh, had their last strike, which was uh, 2011 or something like that, uh, they, you know, most shows, uh, you know, there was cable, but there was uh, broadcasting cable and shows were generally, you know, 22 episodes a season, um, you know, cable sort of started breaking that, making them 13 to 15, things like that. But they were longer seasons. So if you were hired for a show, you were guaranteed a certain length of employment because you were going to be writing, you know, for however many episodes. And uh, you would also have opportunity to go on set as a writer because you were there were more episodes filming there was so there was more time for writers to go on set you know work on the fly learn on the job which is how you get experience and become have enough experience to eventually become a showrunner yourself which is usually the goal uh now 
uh, not only are seasons much shorter, uh, you know, because you, you can have scream- streaming series that are six episodes, 10 episodes, eight episodes, and even broadcast seasons now, you know, they'll, like my favorite show, May It Rest in Peace, my favorite bad show, um, Big Sky was like a 13 episode, you know, broadcast series. Um, and then, you know, because they divide the season up into into two chunks, but the seasons are shorter and uh writers are often hired for what's called uh what they're calling mini rooms where like a network will say network or a streamer will say we're kind of interested in this idea for a show we're going to get hire a couple of writers or a room full of writers for three weeks to bang out some scripts and see if we like it and if we like it we'll pick it up to series so the writers get you know paid for that three-week period but then they have no guarantee that they will be staffed on the show if it picks up if it gets picked up and you know they're not being paid a comparable rate to if if they were uh writing for a show you know for a full season so they're they're striking for more sort of guaranteed length of employment no more quote-unquote mini rooms they're also um saying that the residual payments which are payments that like when you watch an old episode uh, of Sex in the City, somewhere Michael Patrick King or Dar- Darren Starr gets a check for 30 cents or whatever it is every time, you know, because he he gets residuals from that show. So they're pi- fighting for uh, sort of an increase and stabilization in residual payments. And also there is the element of AI where uh, certainly we've seen rumblings where some news organizations, quote unquote, are starting to say that they will use AI to generate sort of simple articles that can, uh, that don't necessarily need uh, a human to write them. And uh, the Writers Guild is understandably concerned that networks and streamers will uh, start employing AI. You know, if you ask me, I'm sure uh, a computer could probably write an episode of NCIS if it ingested enough scripts. Um, So, I think they're worried about that. And so that's another, that's sort of a long-winded summary of those are the main issues that they're striking over. Okay, the one thing that has struck me as odd, and Mm -hmm. this this kind of goes to the point of residuals on streaming episodes, is Mm -hmm. one of the biggest problems that we know is streaming services do not release their download numbers. Yes, yes, so, and you're, that, yes, that's a really good point, and I should have clarified that. They're asking for transparency yeah. because they they are asking for you know you need to tell us uh, how many people watched uh, you know my episode of Stranger Things or whatever um, because then I need I need to be properly compensated. But right now they can pay sort of whatever they're paying for residuals but they're doing it with, with no real clarity on uh, how many streams they're getting. So that's another thing. That's a very good point. They're, they're fighting for transparency. And that's going to come up with the Directors Guild, which begins uh, negotiations, uh, I believe, this week or next week. They're also going to want uh, transparency on streaming since so many movies now are debuting on streaming as well. And it, it affects the directors as well. I mean, just a average person's view of this that follows tv quite a bit but doesn't know the ins and outs of it it seems like no deal is going to be reached unless these streaming numbers are revealed because how can you tell a writer Mm -hmm. and how can the Mm -hmm. writers say yes we agree to this when does my episode that you ran on your streaming service did it get five hundred thousand downloads or did you get two million downloads because clearly if it got five hundred thousand i'd get paid this but if it got two million i want to get paid more than what if it got paid 500,000. But if I don't know anything that it got paid, or if I don't know the number of downloads, how can I possibly be fairly compensated? And yeah, I understand why the writers are pissed at this, and they should be. And are the streaming services ever going to do this? Is there any word around Hollywood that streaming services at some point are going to have to be, yeah, okay, here are the numbers for every show and every movie we release? Well, this isn't, certainly the first time that they've felt the pressure you know certainly it's something that advertisers because uh, many uh streamers are now you know they have sort of advertising tiers so you can subscribe to hulu with ads yeah. um and pay a little less because you're watching ads but the advertisers don't know what's you know how many people are seeing that ad how many people uh are watching that show so there is 
sort of there are other elements that are putting pressure on streamers uh, to divulge their numbers. And certainly there are companies that use whatever metrics they have to sort of calculate uh, you know, what the most stream shows are, but we still don't have specific numbers. I would imagine we know they have the numbers because they will periodically say, well, 45 bazillion people watched the first 20 minutes of Lord of the Rings or whatever it was, but they only release it, you know, when it's beneficial to them. I think they will do it kicking and screaming. I don't think they'll ever, or at least initially have full transparency, but I think there will have to be some middle ground that they're going to have to concede uh, to start giving some degree of clarity on what shows are succeeding and what aren't. And, you know, frankly, it would also help because then maybe we won't be so surprised when, you know, Netflix randomly cancels a show that we all thought was doing well and that we liked, you know, um, because that's the other thing is uh, the other thing they don't, they don't necessarily just look at streaming numbers. They look at demographics. They look at time spent on the app. And so part of the reason they don't want to just give away numbers is that's not the only thing they're basing their programming on, but you know, too bad. <laughs> it's time to cop them up. Yeah. I mean, with our mutual favorite show, Cobra Kai, I remember mm -hmm. when Netflix would release, um, Cobra Kai season five is leading in the, in the month of September, the month that it was released last year, it had the most minutes viewed. So it's like, okay, well, what is that minutes viewed still seems like a lot, but it's like, but what about downloads or people mm -hmm. watching multiple episodes uh, right more than once like it just gave uh, a minutes update of how many minutes were spent watching Cobra Kai in the month of September 2022 and I'm like okay right. that's a little transparency but I don't if you're a writer on Cobra Kai I think you'd still want a further breakdown of what that is absolutely and you know and if, especially if you're you know certainly if you're John, Josh, and Hayden, you're not necessarily as concerned, but if you're one of the writers on the staff and your episode, um, you know, you are dependent on streams for your residuals, yeah, you're really going to want to know, did my episode do well and am I being properly compensated for it? So, yeah, it's a lot of complicated issues and it, it, you know, every time, you know, I lived through the last strike was covering, you know, TV for EW at the last strike. And, you know, every time it's, it's very much like, you know, the writers say, you know, this is, it, it's, this is all or nothing. Like we have to, every, if we don't win this battle, you know, the career, the job of writing for TV will no longer exist. And, you know, to some degree there is, you know, there are some serious issues, but uh, it's hard to know. Uh, it, it feels urgent every time there's a strike, but, and, you know, it's because they don't happen very often, but I do think this could be a long one. Yeah. I mean, our last writer strike, I believe was 2012 or was it 08? Was it 08 or 12? Uh, it was 08. Yeah. Okay. I know it lasted a hundred days. I know that. Yes. Um, so, and it gave us that god-awful winter season of Big Brother. Do you remember that? I do not. I do know it gave <laughs> us the – I knew. I do know the second season of Friday Night Lights was cut short because of the writer's yeah. strike, which gave us mm -hmm. the awful storyline of Landry mm -hmm. killing somebody. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Jesse Plemons yes. committed murder, and yeah. then it just kind of went away. He just kind of got yeah. away with murdering yep. somebody. So eh, Don't worry about it. Yeah, so <laughs> it definitely has an effect. And the other effect that you and I talked about before we hopped on here was the fact that it's Upfronts week this week, right? Or is it mm – -hmm. okay, so it is Upfronts. ABC – is releasing their upfronts, has released their upfronts, and now let's get into talking about what they're releasing. It's literally just a bunch of reality shows. I mean, reality and game shows, yeah. yeah, and game shows, yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. So we know we know charity season starts on June 26. They moved it back an hour, at least on the east. You know, well, it's moved back an hour for everybody. If, if you're yeah. on the east coast or or central time, you're going to watch it uh, at. 9 Eastern time, 8 Central. And then if you're in the mountain time, it starts at 9. And Pacific, it starts at 9. So it's going to be 9 to 11 for three of the four time zones. And for me, it's going to be 8 to 10. So they're doing that for whatever reason. They've never done it before. 
Um, I know they're doing it because they really love this claim to fame show. And yeah. that, and that's going to be the lead in to charity season is claim to fame season two. Now, I saw that you covered the trailer for claim to fame. I, yes. I did not watch season one. I'm aware of what the show is about. Um, this season, they're going to do it a little differently. Apparently last season, they told the audience watching at home who everybody was. Or Not who, who everybody was, who most, some of the people were, were, yeah. Okay. Like a handful. But this season, they're going to do things a little bit differently based on what I've seen and what what I read from you. You're, the audience is not going to know who these people are from the get go. Right. right? Okay. Exactly. In in the past, in the first season, they told us about in the premiere. They told us, I believe, about three different people. Not all of the contestants, but they revealed identities for a handful of them, which was a little random. One of them was because it was Simone Biles' sister, and she looked exactly like Simone Biles. Yeah. So there was just like no hiding that. Um, but this time around, no one will know, uh, both the contestants and the people watching who is related and they'll just have who they're related to. And they'll just have to watch for the clues and try to determine, you know, if what they're saying about their celebrity relative is true or false. Um, in the past, they, they would flash on the screen. If somebody said, Oh, my grandfather is a singer, it would flash on the screen, true or false. I'm not sure if they'll do that again this season. I would imagine they'll give uh, viewers a little advantage, you know, uh, but they won't, uh, they want you to play along. I think probably understanding that that's what people like about shows like that, like the mass singer and things like that. They like to solve the mystery at home. So for the show in season one, there's a hundred thousand dollars to the last person standing. That means nobody in the house could guess their relation to somebody. That's how it works. Correct. Works. Correct. Yeah. Okay. So I guess my question is this, and you would know the answer since having watched season one, do you just have to guess who the relation is or do you have to guess in addition you are Simone Biles sister as opposed to just saying I think you're related to Simone Biles do they have to you guess the have relation to, or no no just the um Person. I think your celebrity relative is gotcha okay. Simone Biles yeah because it would be a little hard if it was you know yeah because it could be sister could be cousin could be you know yeah. <laughs> whatever so um yeah uh the uh it's so you really just have to and you know they it's like any other reality show you know the, they form people form alliances and they start working together and um and it'll be interesting to see if this season if they cast anybody who has such an obvious <laughs> uh, uh uh likeness you know because simone bile's sister and also um x the person who was the twin brother of laverne cox like I, it took me a minute, but as soon as I realized it, I was like, that person looks exactly like Laverne Cox. So, um, you know, th there are some people, at least in season one, where you really can tell from just looking at them. Others, uh, it's you really have to follow the clues uh, because there's just no real relation at all. So we or have no rem resemblance. We haven't gotten still photos of the cast, right? Just the trailer? Just the trailer. We got it in the post that I put on EW.com. There's a, a key art poster. So you can see uh, the the poster image of them. You know, it's not it's certainly not as clear or as up close as, uh, you know, like contestant photos, headshots. But you can see uh, get a sense of who they are and what they look like. Your two guesses so far, you think somebody is related to Jenny McCarthy and Colin Jost, based on what you saw in the trailer, right? <laughs> yes, yes. And, you know, I'm terrible at this show. Yeah. There's also, at this kind of thing, there's one guy in there that I think looks exactly like Dave Foley from Kids in the Hall mm. um, and News Radio and stuff. I, I don't know if he's related, but, um, yeah, so those are my guesses, but I do think... Uh, and, you know, it's funny, when I posted the trailer, like, it got a lot of response. People actually we're excited to see this show come back and we're sort of expressing on Twitter. Like I, you know, I totally got into this show last season and I didn't expect to like it. So I definitely think I understand why they're putting it on at eight. They're trying to grow. It sounds like they've got some ratings momentum for this show and they want to just, um, they want to build on it. Well, that's interesting because that also, like we said, pushes the bachelorette back an hour a yes. show that's been a staple for them for 20 years. So this has had a lot of Bachelorette and Bachelor fans concerned of, 
oh, it's on its way out. The show is, you know, going by the wayside now. They're moving it back an hour. People on the East Coast aren't going to be finishing The Bachelorette till 11 o'clock at night now. Mm-hmm. Um, is, yeah, that makes me sad. Is there, <laughs> As somebody who loves to sleep. Is uh, it a, is it a yeah. concern? Uh, is Should people be concerned? I mean, we did hear today that Bachelor, or maybe it was yesterday, The Bachelor has been picked up for season 27 or 28. I can't remember what number we're on. Uh, for next for for January of next year, so we already know that's coming. Bachelor in Paradise, we knew was coming, and it would be and it yeah. picked up, but it's made, been made official. So, and the Golden Bachelor, so it doesn't seem like the Bachelor is on the outs, but getting pushed back an hour during the summer, I don't know. Is that a good thing, a bad thing, or is it a nothing really? You know, I think it's just it's really more about claim to fame than it is about. The Bachelorette. In fact, I think, you know, ABC is so confident in the sort of consistent audience they have for the Bachelor franchise that, you know, while it may annoy people that it moves back an hour, um, they know that the audience is is going to show up for it. And they probably have data, too, that people watch it the next day, you know, for some people don't watch it live. So it doesn't necessarily matter. And they're really just trying. They know people are are trained <laughs> to tune in Monday at eight. Uh, and so they want to they want to use that Pavlovian history uh, to get us to check out claim to fame. And, you know, I think if it suddenly resulted in some drastic, you know, decline in bachelor ratings, bachelorette ratings, you know, it, it, maybe they would readjust, but I also don't think this is something they're going to do permanently. They're, they're, I think doing it because they need a new reality franchise and they're hoping claim to fame can be it. So they're, you know, just trying to give it a give it a little boost. So after Bachelor uh, Claim to Fame and then Bachelorette, once those are done airing, which I'm assuming is going to be end of August, beginning of September, we go right into Bachelor in Paradise. But Correct. we also find out a couple weeks ago that Dancing with the Stars is returning to ABC, and it will run simultaneously on Disney Plus, which is. I watched all of Dancing with the Stars last year on Disney Plus, and it was the yeah. full two hours with no commercials. So I'm guessing when it's airing simultaneously on Disney Plus in the fall, they're going to have to run commercials because if it's airing on ABC, right. they got to go to commercials. So I'm guessing we're not going to get a full two hour show on on that. So they're going to have to fill in commercials. But my thing is this: I don't know the exact layout for the eight seasons that Bachelor in Paradise has been on the air. I know that some see some years. Bachelor in Paradise aired, it was only Mondays. And then mm-hmm. sometimes it was Monday, Tuesday. And then sometimes mm-hmm. it was only Tuesday. What we do know now, and it has been confirmed, is that Bachelor in Paradise is only airing, at least when it starts, on yes. on Tuesdays because Dancing with the Stars is going to air on Monday nights. Right. And they'll have Golden Bachelor uh, on, on Mondays at 10. So... Bachelor will still have Bachelor franchise will still have two nights, um, but yeah, Bachelor in Paradise will only air once, and you know I, that can only help that show because as we all know what a slog it can be um, once you start getting into you know week three, week four, two episodes a week. It's just you know there's so much filler and silliness like this. This can only make the show better, I hope, um, because. Really and truly, nothing needs four hours on television every week. No reality show, in in my opinion. No, <laughs> especially <laughs> especially not that one. Um, yeah. What I what I do find interesting, and Jason Tardick had this on his Trading Spaces podcast was because I was like, well, gosh, I thought Dance with the Stars would just now be Disney Plus exclusive going mm-hmm. forward, and they tried it for one year. But he had the numbers that 55% of Dancing with the Stars audience is 55 to 64 age range. But only mm-hmm. not but only 9% of Disney Plus subscribers and their subscriber base is 55 and older. So it doesn't seem like I you would think they would have known that before they put it on Disney Plus last <laughs> last fall. Yeah. But that seems to be a very, very big discrepancy. And the reason it's coming back to ABC. It's just that the millennials are the ones that watch streaming services. Older people yeah. don't, and yet older people are the ones that basically over half their audience is what 
is 55 to 64 year olds. So it yeah, makes, it makes sense. It does. It absolutely does. And I'm sure they, you know, they knew it, but they wanted to see if they could drive subscriptions to Disney plus and, uh, you know, I just don't think that's a great crossover because even if people, even if your grandma or whatever did figure out how to sign up for Disney Plus, she's not really going to stick around to watch a bunch of Star Wars shows. So, you know, <laughs> it makes more sense to just if they want to try to use a reality show to drive uh, subscriptions, they're going to have to come up with one that's a little more uh, useful, probably. You mean there's no synergy between dance with the stars and the Mandalorian. <laughs> no, I mean, no maybe Yoda will be a contestant yeah. at some point. Oh, yeah. I don't know. Um, all right. Let's talk about it. We've held off long enough. Stars on Mars. I can't, I can't even say the name of the show without laughing. Stars on Mars. It's going to premiere on, on Fox Mars. in June. It's already got a set date, right? It's June. Yes. Uh, it is actually June, looking it up right now, uh, June 5th. June 5th. Okay. So that is a, let's see, my, my party in Vegas is on Friday the 2nd. So that's Monday. It's going to be on Monday nights <laughs> on Fox. Uh, 12 celebrities. Such as they are. Yeah. <laughs> I use the word celebrities loosely. It's it's comedians, reality stars, and former athletes. You know, you got Correct. people like Tallulah Willis. Ariel Winter from Modern Family. You've got Tom Schwartz from Vanderpump Rules. Uh, McLovin from Superbad. I mean, just a <laughs> just a comedy of people that you're like, what? So, yes. what this is supposed to be is the <laughs> these twelve people <laughs> supposedly living on Mars, but they they're obviously not living on Mars. It was shot. Right. It was shot at a opal mining town in southern Australia. Correct. Called Cooper Petey? Is that, I don't know. I've never been to Australia. Cooper Pe Petey or Cooper Petty, also location where they shot uh, Mad Max Beyond Thunderdome, Pitch Black, The Adventures of Priscilla, Queen of the Desert. So, yeah, it looks very Marsy. Okay, so <laughs> my question is this, and this is where I might give it a little more respect, is... And, and and basically what it is, William Shatner is giving these people, you know, quote unquote missions every week. And then I'm assuming right. somebody, somebody gets eliminated every week. There's going to be right. alliances formed or whatever. But, you know, the winner gets crowned the brightest star in the galaxy, which is about as interesting as giving someone a mirror ball trophy. But I, I yeah, I, it's unclear. If, I assume they get paid to be on the show, but it yeah. doesn't appear that there is a cash prize of any kind uh at least not mentioned so far but who knows so my question is this now and 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 i guess we don't know the answer because they haven't released the screener yet for it is and i will give this a little bit more respect is if these challenges are super difficult in the vein of fox's special forces show where you're literally going right. through is this something like these people are literally going to go through what it would take to be going through astronaut training or is it just hey let's let's ride around on a golf cart in the middle of australia and you know do something silly i get that's where it's going to be determined for me if this is wow this is actually interesting or if this yeah. is just goofy challenges you know what we've seen in the trailer it looks like they're you know certainly hiking in their astronaut suits they're repelling looked like there was some kind of you know, a challenge where they have to build something outside in a windstorm. But yeah, it's hard to know how difficult they will be. Um, and, you know, I don't, you know, they also, I'm not, you can't really replicate the fact that, you know, Mars yeah, is Mars. You know, freezing and like uh, inhospitable to life. So I don't really know um, what, and it doesn't look like they're maybe there's some kind of zero gravity chamber there that they they have to get into and do something i'm not sure but yeah well it, it sounds so dumb yeah. and yet like intriguingly dumb yeah it's just like I, I i get it but 
This has nothing to do with <laughs> this has nothing to do with Mars. You can't replicate no. Mars in Australia. No, it's like, just it's just because the the title rhymes. They yeah. like the title, you know. And so, like stars on the moon doesn't have the same ring, you know. So yeah. stars on Mars. Yeah, and um, again, it's going to come down to the challenges for me. If it's because I yeah. loved Special Forces, I thought. Yeah, that was, I know a lot of people were interested in that show. Yeah, and I wonder if that gets brought back next season. I can't, I don't know what the numbers were for. Did it do well or no? I don't know off the top of my head. I mean, I know that when we wrote about it, people, you know, got a lot of traffic. People were interested in it, but I don't know if the show ended up, I don't uh, know if the show ended up doing great ratings or what. Yeah. I mean, it was because it was real. There wasn't anything while it was a reality show, quote unquote, Mm -hmm. there wasn't anything. I mean, I'm sure the, I'm sure that the instructors on that show we're, we're told to you know to be harsh but i you know having never been in any sort of military training i i do know i've seen movies i know that's how they act and i know they do curse you out and yell at you and get in your yeah. face so it didn't yeah. seem that far-fetched maybe they over exaggerated a little bit for television but that seems to be the basis for if you're going through any sort of military training that's what your instructor will do to you right to push you right. forward so and then to see hannah brown literally outperform world-class athletes was like (laughs) my mind was blown like i couldn't believe how good she was on that show i mean (laughs) she's you don't mess with her if if, you know luke found out hannah hannah beast right that's that was her name hannah beast yeah um Mm -hmm. you know what else i'm you know what i'm enjoying right now the game show show I'm enjoying watching that. Have you been watching that? On no, I haven't. No. It's just like an, it's a four-part oral history series of how game shows have developed in this That's country. That's cool. Yeah, and it's just a breakdown. They have a lot of uh, ITMs with former contestants, former hosts, fans of game shows, and just it's it's a really cool retrospective. Oh, you know, I, I've seen ads for that. Yeah. that. that I think that it's only been one episode. I think there's yeah. only been one. So there's it's a four-part uh, it's an oral history on it, so I think part two is uh, is tomorrow night. And I think it's on Wednesday nights. So yeah, it's a, it's an interesting look at game shows. I'm really enjoying uh, the Jeopardy Masters series uh, yes, because yeah. just because James Holzhauer is Holzhauer is so weird and <laughs> and just so bizarre, and he's really starting to play into his. He's really starting to read his press clippings. And yes, yeah. I mean, he's calling himself a game show villain now, but he's also beating the shit out of everybody on that show. As, yeah. of, as of this taping, he's currently in the lead. I'd be shocked if he didn't win that thing. I mean, he, as weird as I think he is and as cocky and arrogant as I think he is, he, it's amazing that, you know, Jeopardy's been on, I don't know how many years, 30, 40 years yeah, that it took that long. It took for him to show up on the show to be like, you know what? We don't have to start at 200 in every category and just work our way down. I'm just going to go across the board and pick whatever category I want, hunting for daily doubles and yes. starting out with the hard questions first. Why did it take 40 years for somebody to do this? So in that aspect, right. I give him a lot of respect because now when I have watched Jeopardy on during the day, either hosted by Ken Jennings or Mayim Bialik, I've noticed that that's what every player does now. And I'm like, right. nobody did it yeah. for 40 years and now everybody does it because of him. Exactly. And, exactly. Um, so I'm trying to, yeah, think. I mean, those things do really well. I am interested in, um, prank panel. I haven't seen it yet, but that's the ABC show where it's basically like shark tank, but for pranks where, um, people who want to like, you know, pull a prank on their friend or their wife or whatever, they go in front of a panel. It's Eric Andre, Gabby Gabrielle Sidibe and uh, Johnny Knoxville and they pitch the prank and if they if the panel likes the prank they'll help help them pull it off and then, um, and then so we get to see that then we get the, yeah so it's a combination of like shark tank and like you know punked or whatever when does that start uh, that uh comes this it's starting this summer i'm not sure if they've announced the date yet but uh i am oh actually there's a preview uh episode on may 24th um and then i guess it will probably premiere for real in june it's abc show yeah okay um there are are you a vanderpump person or no i'm not and so i've been really like a little confused by i know there's been a a a whole big scandal happening but i couldn't tell you the first thing about it okay yeah i i don't watch it either 
I know the finale is this week and then a three-part reunion show on Bravo. So I think I'm going to tune in for that. I know the names of the people. I know that Tom Sandoval was in a nine-year relationship with Ariana and he had an affair with Raquel. That's the main part okay. that everybody knows. And that's all the that's, stuff that's uh, broken. Scandoval? Scandoval? Is that what they're calling it? Exactly. So, <laughs> but if you, before all this broke, if you would have put Tom Sandoval in front of me, I wouldn't mm-hmm. have been able to identify him by face. I knew the name. And I sure. knew there was a Tom Schwartz who is on Stars on Mars. <laughs> Tom Schwartz. <laughs> his, bud, his, his buddy from Vanderpump. And they co-own a restaurant together. Tom Tom or something. But, yeah, that's, that's the main thing that's going to be broken down in the finale. And the three-part reunion show where everybody's going to get their say of basically going in yeah. on Tom and, and Raquel basically trashing them for having this affair behind everybody's back. So that's what I, I mean. Um, good luck, Andy Cohen. Yeah. yeah I'm sure he's going to be, I'm sure he'll be really disappointed in the numbers that brings because everybody's talking <laughs> about this. It's literally yeah. been all that we've been talking about for months. So um, I just curious, did you get a chance to watch yet? Um, the Michael J. Fox still documentary. Have you watched it? No, I haven't. I've been kind of like, I'm a little hesitant to watch it just because I love him and I'm just worried it's going to be so sad. And I, you know, I'm sure it's not just sad, but no, the short answer is no. Uh, I have not yet brought myself to watch it, but I know, you know, it's getting great reviews and he's obviously, uh, you know, been in the news a lot for, for it. And, yeah. I don't know. I just, I'm, I'm, I love him so much. I just don't, you know, it makes me sad to think of, you know, yeah, it's, um, watching it. I watched it right when it came out on Friday. I wasn't going to wait on this one. It'd be like if they were going to release a documentary on William Zabka's life, I would have tuned in right away. Um, <laughs> or anybody karate kid related, but I, um, I watched it. It is definitely sad. Um, but I also think it's, um, inspiring because of the work that he's done and because and because he's so real about his parkinson's like he'll make jokes about it they show the clip from just you know the 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 viral clip or the memorable clip from curb your enthusiasm where he where he hands larry david a a dr pepper in a bottle and he opens it and he sprays all over he's like what the hell are you doing he's like parkinson's you know the fact that he can joke about his disease um it's it's refreshing. Um, so the first the first hour is more about his career, and then okay, it's only about the last thirty to forty minutes where they focus on once they hit that point in his career where Parkinson started taking over, and he started realizing he had something wrong with him. It was kind of an interesting look. They're showing clips of episodes of Spin City and episodes of things and movies that he did where he had his his tremor started in his left hand and they were like literally zooming in on his left hand on an episode of Spin City where he would just carry something in his hand during a scene so people wouldn't see his handshake. And you didn't know that's so interesting. You didn't know this until now. Yeah. And um, so they show it. He talks about it and he goes, yeah, you know, they they kept it obviously a um, they kept it a secret because he didn't want anyone to know. And then he finally came out, I think, in. I, I think he was diagnosed with it when he was 29. I don't think he came out publicly with the diagnosis until 30 or 31 with it. And then he talks about that, the decision to go in that, and then talks about the struggle with it over the course mm-hmm. of the last, obviously, 30 years and how it's gotten worse and how he's very well aware. Um, he doesn't have, not that he doesn't have much time left, but he doesn't think he's going to make it to 80. And he's 60, yeah. he's 61. Um, yeah. So, it, yeah, is it sad? Yeah, um, but you know, goes over his his life with his wife, who he met on Family Ties. Oh, and I know, I love she's them. in it. Tracy Pollan is in it. The kids are in it, which I've never, I don't think I've ever seen his kids before. Yeah, I don't think I have either. Yeah, I you know I should just. Uh, it's good. You'll like get it. over it and watch yeah. it because I do. You know, he is. Do they talk about um, the somewhat underrated uh, film film uh, Doc Hollywood? They go over his career in the 80s and just kind of um, they don't spend a lot of time on any one particular movie. Okay, It's just kind of a retrospective starts out with where he came from in Canada, his early acting gigs, and then all these 
you know, movie and TV show clips yeah. of him as a teenager, and then they don't spend as much time on Back to the Future as I would have liked, but um, <laughs> but do talk about it and just talk about how his schedule was shoot family ties from 6 a.m. to 3 p.m. and then take a get uh, car service mm-hmm. over to the lot and shoot Back to the Future at night for literally until he was done. And, oh, my gosh. Um, so they did talk about that and, you know, show clips, behind-the-scenes clips from him filming those movies and stuff like that. But, um, yeah, it's just a good retrospective on his career with then currently sitting him sitting in a chair and doing ITMs and interviews in his current state you know, reflecting back on those times. Uh, but is it sad? Yeah. And it is difficult yeah. to watch him in this state. Um, yeah. It's tough, but he's just such a trooper about it. It makes you not yeah. feel sorry for him and he doesn't want you to feel sorry for him. So, well, and it's just inspiring too, that he's like you said, he's done so much good work. It's unbelievable. Um, Two billion, you know, $2 yeah. billion dollars he's raised in Parkinson's. Research. Yeah. It's and unbelievable. It's, I mean, you know, that, will be a greater legacy probably than anything he ever did on film, you know, in terms of impact uh, for, to help people. So, yeah. And I don't know if, I don't think you wrote this yesterday cause you do TV. You don't do movies, right? Right. Okay. I read it on EW though yesterday. Very surprised to hear Christopher Lloyd say he'd be up for a back to the future sequel. Yeah, um, I was like, what? Because he, but but in that article, he was talking about how you know Michael uh, working with Michael would be so easy. It's like there's no way Michael J. Fox can be a star in a feature film. Right. So right. I didn't know why, if they ever did a Back to the Future sequel, Michael would have to be a cameo in it, not right his exactly. co-star. So that's why I was surprised. Michael J. Fox is pretty much against it. He's like, look, we've told the story. I don't. Yeah, if three, if somebody three came three out with a, over yet. yeah, if yeah. somebody came out with a great script, would I read it and you know listen to it? Sure, but I think the story has been told. So yeah, uh, surprised to read that, but come on, Doc, we don't we don't. But I think also you know people, you know they get asked this type of question all the time, and you know I think he probably Christopher Lloyd knows that it's a a completely sort of hypothetical. Uh, scenario and just he's probably answering like sure in a perfect world you know why not it would be great to work with him again knowing that of course it is not a perfect world and that wouldn't be possible but yeah um i would prefer that uh that we not do any more like reboots or anything like that um especially yeah. classics like that i mean yeah I'm, exactly i'm already bummed we've got a white man can't jump coming out on hulu i think and i don't want to I have no interest in. I mean, White Man Can't Jump was a was a '90s classic to me, and now they're you know redoing it with Jack Harlow. I mean, come on now. It just know. doesn't make any. It just doesn't make any sense to me. Yeah, I, I don't, I don't get it. Um, any other shows this summer that you want to, um, kind of promote for that you think would be good for our listeners? Something you're interested in watching, whether it is a game show or anything. Um coming out this summer that you're interested in yeah um i don't know you know it's not reality but i'm not sure if people have been checking out uh uh, silo which is on apple tv plus that's the sci-fi uh series that's based on the hugh howey uh novel and um it's if you're if you're into like post-apocalyptic you know humanity is living underground because the earth is too toxic slash, you know, giant conspiracy mystery. Um, I'm, I'm really enjoying it. I like the books a lot as well. And so that's uh, airing on Apple TV plus now. And it's, you know, they've been trying to make this show into, or this book into a movie or TV show for over a decade. And it's just so sort of high concept that it, required a lot of money and obviously apple tv has a lot of money so they finally found a uh you know a platform that could give them the budget they needed um the other thing i'm really excited about is season two of heels um on stars i don't know if you're if you watched that that was the wrestling uh show starring Stephen amell um about the brothers who run the georgia uh, wrestling league in georgia and Season one was great, but we haven't, you know, it ended in, I want to say, 
2020 or 2021. And so it's finally coming back this July. So I'm really looking forward to that. Which is surprising. I didn't get into it considering how much of a wrestling fan I've been for years. Like I've, I've watched WWE for ever since I was in sixth grade. So you'd think I'd be into heels and I just never, I never watched season one, but I could probably, I should, you should, you should check it out. I think you'd like it. Yeah. You'd probably pound that thing out. What is it? 10 episodes, eight episodes, 10. Yeah. Okay. All right. Um, one last thing that we always got to end with Cobra Kai. When we, <laughs> when we last spoke or when we, I think right now, well, I mean, they weren't even on production in production. I don't think when we last spoke, and then now the writer um, strike has happened, so this yeah, thing's getting they were, pushed back yeah, and further. Yeah, we're we're not getting it this year for sure. Well, have they um, even has that's the thing? Like, I didn't know if they had when the writer strike happened a couple of weeks ago. Is all of season six written, and they just have stopped, and then once the it's over, we'll we'll get to start filming or. Is the season even done being written? I, I don't even know. I don't think it's done being written. And I'm just basing that on, you know, knowing that they hadn't really started production, you know, uh, a couple months ago when we spoke. It's possible they were writing and in pre-production, but I, I don't think that I would imagine that they're, you know, maybe partway through the season, but I don't... Um, I don't think they're done. And although, you know, there've been some stuff, uh, I, Zabka did, he was, he did some fan convention or something, uh, fairly recently. And he said that he knows, what did he say? He said that he, Billy Zabka confirms that he knows the outline and destination of the Cobra Kai season, but he's only read two scripts. This was as, uh, as a, this is something that was tweeted, uh, today. And it was Zabka and, um, uh, Martin Kreese at some fan event. Um, <laughs> you make you mix you mix it up. It's uh, John Kreese, Martin Cove. <laughs> oh my God, Kreese! Oh my God, yeah, uh, um, Martin Cove, right? Yeah. Um, um, and Zabka talking about at some kind of fan event or some some event. And so I guess he's seen a couple scripts, but I would imagine they don't have them all. And the good news from the Cobra Kai franchise is that Ralph Macchio. Twitter is no longer hacked and he's, oh my gosh. he's back. He's back on Twitter. That poor guy. And yeah. it was like, wasn't just, I mean, I'm, I guess in terms of how hacks can go, it's better than like somebody hacking you and then like, you know, tweeting a bunch of like racist and hideous stuff. But like it, some guy hacked him and then like just tried to sell crypto or yeah, something. It was, yeah, it was so like a crypto stupid. Thing. Yeah. 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 And like why Ralph Macchio, like, I don't know. Why? There are other people that you could go <laughs> after. I, I don't get it, but um, yeah, no, it made no sense. Anyway, uh, Kristen, I know you got to run, so thank you so much for coming on. Really appreciate all your TV insight. We'll be looking to all this stuff coming up this summer: Bachelorette, Claim to Fame, Stars on Mars. <laughs> uh, <laughs> so uh, we will uh, we'll definitely touch base. Probably, I want to say. I want to say like August or September after we're into these shows and we kind of can yes. kind of review how they've been going. So again, thank you so much for coming on, Chris, and really appreciate it. And uh, we'll be in touch. Sounds good. You got it. Bye. Bye. Thanks so much to Kristen for coming on. Really enjoy talking TV with her. The timing was perfect. <laughs> like, like I said, right before we started recording was when she had just posted her story about the golden bachelor coming back to TV. So, um, I wish when I recorded with her, I knew that the Joe Schmo show was starting, but that wasn't announced until yesterday. And I recorded this Tuesday with her, but yeah, great stuff from Kristen really always have a great talk with her coming on. Always informs me about other shows that I haven't heard about. If you guys have heard about these shows or you've seen them or not seen them, check them out. But she is always welcome on this podcast as she is a wealth of knowledge when it comes uh, to television. That's why she's a television critic for EW.com. You can read all of her work there. So thank you all for listening. I really appreciate it. Please rate, subscribe, and review in Apple Podcasts. Again, I addressed this on the Daily Roundup earlier this week, but I don't believe my podcast is a one-star, and I do. Um, I have read a couple of the one-star reviews on there, and it's clearly from people who just don't like me, and they're just finding a way to leave me a one-star, and the things that they say don't even match up with the things that happened in the podcast. So I know it's just trolls out there, but 
I'd appreciate it if you actually took the time to leave a review, a nice review. Um, and if you have any sort of concerns or criticisms, by all means, put it in there. But um, I know with the questions that I ask and the research that I put in and the work that I do for these, I know that I don't have a, a one-star podcast out there. Maybe it's not a five-star to everybody, but I don't think it's anything worse than a four, you know? So anyway, but do what you want. Rate it how you want. Of course, I'd like the positive reviews and uh, the five stars as much as possible. So thank you to those who have done that and not trolls that just find a way to throw in a one star and just leave comments that make no sense. So thank you all for listening. Uh, I really appreciate it. Please rate, subscribe, and review, as I said, in Apple Podcasts. We'll be back tomorrow with yet another Daily Roundup and Sports Daily. So until then, I will talk to you tomorrow.